I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to the Friday special, a podcast by Guitar Nerds. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by Mark Packham. Hello there. And our special guest for this episode, Ben Adrian, the lead sound designer at uh, at Line 6 and Ampeg. Hello, Ben. Greetings from California. Yes, absolutely. California is the best place for us to do these uh, trans-country time difference things because it, it means that you can do it on a, on your lunchtime and we get to do it in our evening which is which is perfect for us um but but yes thank you very much for for coming on this episode of uh the friday special um now i guess for for listeners if if uh if you, if you don't know ben adrian which you should um, it's Ben Adrian's uh, job at Line 6 to analyse amplifiers and effects and other studio hardware um, in order to create digital replications for use in Line 6 products for, for things like the Helix. And I guess to, to, to intro you to everyone, Ben, um, you, you joined Line 6 just after the, HD, the Pod HD 500, so just in time to start working on all the Helix stuff from the get-go. Yeah, so I joined Line 6... Um... About eight and a half years ago, so HD 500 was out. Uh, I think DT 25 had just released uh, the amp, and then so I started, and they were just like, "Okay, you're going to do amp modeling." And there was going to be expansion packs for the HD 500, much like uh, there were for Pod XT, right? Because uh, because there were there was you know there was plenty of DSP limitation on 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 those as well. Yeah, so there were going to be expansion packs, and I came in and started doing amp modeling, and then behind the scenes, it was like, okay, we're going to just try to make the like a more high-end modeler, because you know, other companies had come around and shown that people would pay $1,500 or more for uh, for an amp modeler, so... Uh, yeah, I guess, so- I guess eight years ago was around that time, wasn't it, when it had gone from being, you know, the, the pod, from it being sort of like an, an affordable thing for people with who didn't have home studios to go for as an alternative to buying sort of 20 amps and 50 pedals that around eight years ago was the first time it actually became kind of a legitimate professional thing. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, I would I say it was, you're doing got- the, uh, you're doing the pod series a disservice there, Joe. I think the, uh, you know, the, even going back to the pod pro, you know, the, the, the rack mount solutions have been used in professional situations, I guess, but it's the these things are always evolving. I, I, I suspect how that's kind of how it's seen from your side, Ben. 
Well, what you know, when people are doing, um, when de- you know, developing these products, the the managers who sit upstairs, you know, there's always like a price point. Like, okay, we want to hit this price point to capture this market segment, and up until he before Helix, it was always like afford. There was price was a concern, so there's always going to be some design limitations because we had to hit kind of a rough price range and with helix we kind of were able to throw that a little more out the window because we knew we were designing something that was going to be fifteen hundred dollars you know when it was originally released yeah yeah i guess so 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 i so i guess you you came in with with kind of the at the first time when you you almost had no budget to just create the perfect product for this sort of thing yeah, when I was doing the amp modeling, it's, at first I had to work within the limitations of what was going to be an HD 500, and then quickly it was like, oh, we're doing this thing, you know, and I kind of was, a couple people left the company, and I was kind of left to my own devices, and I kind of reinvented how the procedures for the mo- modeling the amps were done, and I knew that I didn't have to worry about any kind of DSP limitations. I might have to come back and reduce some DSP for this new one, but I kind of got to go, you know, full on and just do whatever I wanted and try crazy experiments. And yeah, it was great. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's a, that's a wonderful position to be in. And of course, the, uh, I guess with, with, with with line six and with the helix there was such an interesting way of actually modeling amplifiers because because and and modeling effects as well because you're dealing with individual things you're not you know for example modeling an ac30 as a as an ac30 or a you know a, you know a boss vb2 or or whatever there you're modeling specific specific pedals or amplifiers um then yeah, I'll just kind of talk about it. Yeah, we kind of get a little more, you know, a little more fine-tuned with every part. It's, you know, we're not really like saying, oh, there's a carbon comp resistor, so that's going to make the circuit behave a certain way. It's more like, oh, I'm able to listen to just the first gain stage of an amp, and then I model just that little first gain stage of an amp and all of its distortions, and I can kind of break the amp down into smaller little pieces, each one of them that you know changes the sound a little bit and so we're able to go in and do every amp model might be like actually 20 or 30 sub models of how the sound has changed so it behaves as an entire system not just you put an x you get out y right yeah yeah absolutely so i guess it's uh it's um so it's it's a case of kind of um well i guess uh, you're you're modeling everything um kind of in its so you're playing the the real amplifier and looking at it in its most extreme form and in its in its simplest form and then building everything kind of based on that i'm not sure if that makes any sense um i think the best way to put it is like if you think about designing let's say an analog audio circuit uh you you know a distortion pedal you might say okay i need to make the signal louder and then I need to find a way to distort that signal, whether it's diodes or overloading a transistor. I need to be able to adjust the tone, and I need to be able to adjust the output volume. So it's, it's like a simple distortion pedal. So you send an audio signal through an analog circuit, and every little, every few components, the sound changes. Uh, when I'm making a model, I'm looking at, okay, how do I do that exact same procedure, except the signal is just getting converted to a, you know, a digital signal first, but then there's all the things where it's like, okay, okay, I can make the volume louder. I can add distortion with a certain characteristic. I can, you know, adjust the tone like a tone knob would adjust it and I can adjust the output volume. So it's, it really is like an analogous to the actual pedal, like with the way the signal changes 
the same way at the same points in the virtual circuit as it does in the you know real life circuit. Right. Do, yeah. Do you have um? Do you have kind of stock? pieces of code for that for example like uh, the way that uh, a pedal builder would you know have racks of parts on the shelf that they can pull from um do you have bits that you just drop in and then tweak from there um there's a there's a set of tools that were written by software engineers here you know we have a many super smart dsp engineers but they don't come from like the analog audio world they come from more the digital world so they don't really know the ins and outs of analog audio gear but they're able to make like tube simulators eq filters uh things that control like virtual dc in the amps and get bias shifts and stuff and yeah so i'm able to put in like okay here's a tube simulator but then once that's in there i have to go in and set all the details within that like dsp block the, the amount of gain how it distorts you know how the harmonics line up in there it's just there's all the things i adjust behind the scenes but there are kind of like starting points where we can start and but everything is done manually and by hand i wish there was a way to like automate more of this because it would take us a lot less time to do amp models <laughs> yeah <laughs> well yeah that's that's the thing because because line the the helix especially I, I mean i don't know if it actually does but it feels to me like you it has more available um amp models than than most of the competition like that seems to be what line six have gone for with the helix it's like here is here is a load of stuff whereas you know things like the the boss gt1000 might be like here's a clean amp and this is a uh, american sounding amp you know the on the helix there will be you know th there'll be 20 different time types of like fender clean amp you know r ranging through all the all the different ones you can think of um it seems to be that <laughs> that seems to be quite a labor intensive part of your job then the amount of amps that you've modeled oh yeah no it's um it's definitely something that takes a lot of time you know and there was like you know maybe a year and a half or two years of us just modeling amps for helix before it was like a physical product that we could even play internally um <laughs> so it's one of those things where it's it's very time consuming and but I think the people who came up with the uh, the concept, they want to, you know, make it a, a living platform where there's going to be updates that have more models and there's going to be new features added. So it was always part of the plan. When it came out, there well, was something like 30 amps and now there's, I don't know, 60? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There are, there are, there are so many now. And, and the thing is, you know, it's, it's wonderful. Like as a Helix owner, um, that's a fantastic thing is that every now and again, there'll just be an update and it's, uh, you know, it's like, it's like a Christmas present. Oh, it's like, oh, here's a... Here's another five pedals and four amps that I didn't have before that that I that I now have access to. I guess it, it's a fantastic thing to have, um, I guess, tapped into. Um, un unlike some of the other modelers, that, that there's just so many constant updates of all these new wonderful things based on often you know very revered and sought after things on the market. Yeah, we change, you know, there's kind of an internal list and then we'll do a couple models and we'll go back and look at the list and see what it seems like is the new hotness or some trends that everyone wants or, oh, someone likes this. Or sometimes it's just something like, oh, hey, I really like this thing or I have a crazy idea for a delay. Let me just do that. But, you know, we kind of look, you know, listen to what people seem to want and push that to the front of the list when we can. Yeah, and certainly when, when, uh, when Ampeg, came into the fold there was a there was a huge increase in you you got the scrambler pedal i think on there and and then there were a handful of uh extra ampeg presets added to the uh to the helix as well 
yeah it was it was definitely like okay hey we have ampeg now let's uh it was kind of like a bass heavy update one time where it's like we threw in this ampeg amp and a couple ampeg pedals and we can actually use the name ampeg in the modeler now so it's you know it's actually the ampeg svt4 pro instead yeah, of what you was know, it before some, that was new that was we did that one when it was um Oh right no! Yes, the four the four pro was 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 the new one. Yeah, I can't remember yeah. what the, the what the SV name was. Beast was the that SVT. was the SV Beast. Uh, and they, I don't know yeah, if we've changed good. it yet. I, we talked about changing it to actually the real amp name, but we might just leave it the old one because and all the amp names are kind of in jokes. Everyone, I don't know if people think it's really serious, but all the amp model names are we're just kind of like throwing in jokes and it's, sometimes they're in jokes. Sometimes it's just like we're just sick of dealing with crap and we have to name it something. Right, right. Yeah, I, I, this this seems to be something that's that's uh, kind of taken off across the world of modeling amps. Is that when you have to model something that's based on something else, there'll be a creative play on words uh, yeah. to, to to explain to people what that is without without crossing any legal lines. <laughs> that's kind yeah, of that's kind of always been the way with Line Six. Though I, mean, I remember the manuals back uh, when you know, for example, when the uh, DL Four came out, the manuals always had kind of references to stuff. Uh, and, and jokey ways around it. I've always kind of thought that has been one of Line 6's strengths when doing the modeling stuff is the way that you tell the story. Again, going back to those manuals, you know, the, the kind of image that came across was, look, we've got this giant warehouse of all the real gear, so we've got access to it to be able to model it better than anyone else. This isn't just a generic, here's your clean amp. It is, uh, you know, based on this year, twin or whatever it is, you know. Oh yeah, no. I mean, if there's um, you know, I feel like some people see Line Six and they have always thought, oh, it's probably just a bunch of like computer scientists and and uh, you know, digital audio nerds trying to make guitar gear. And especially ever since I've been here, like I came, you know, I was a recording engineer. I built my own analog pedals. I did amp repair. I worked, you know, I did mastering. So I kind of come from the world of audio and especially analog circuits. So I kind of wanted to put myself out there and be like, no, I'm really a, a super nerd who loves vintage and vintage gear and analog gear. And I'm using these digital tools to, to make it. So this, that actually, uh, I mean, it brings me on to something I was going to ask you later, but, but you're very much um, not what I think I would expect from a, from a, a line six sound designer in the, when I think of line six, you know, I, I, I would think of the, the genres that have the, the initially really got hold of the, the helix, which was, you know, a, a lot of sort of more tech metal genres, certainly in general, digital amps is something that, that more technical music, you know, tech metal has, has, uh has kind of got hold of way more than other things and you know i think of you know I, billy sheehan obviously has a, a has signature presets i'm like oh yes that that makes sense for me that's the sort of thing that i think of when i think of line six products but but you're very much you know i mean i want to talk about the the valve amp that you built you're very much a sort of a, a traditional um uh, sort of gear enthusiast in 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 that sense, which is not necessarily what you would that I would normally think of when thinking about digital gear. Well, I mean, it, you know, it originally came from people who just you know were trying to re replicate tube amps, and there were some, I let's just say, metal centric people who were sound designers here before, and they did certain things, and it was really good. But I have a a very wide 
uh, musical taste. And I've played in like bands that were like, you know, Cocteau Twins, Shoegaze ripoffs. And I've played in like very harsh noise rock bands. So I kind of think I want to be able to bring in a sounds for a wide variety of musicians. And, you know, we try to be, um, let's just say, uh, 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 you know, genre neutral when we're making the amps. If we do a good amp model, it will be like that amp. And you, if you were going to use amp X for metal or amp X for stoner rock or amp X for, you know, uh, Southern blues, it would sound the same because that was the amp you would pick anyway. Was that was that kind of the idea with the Helix? Were you trying to make sure when you were picking what was going on there? Were you trying to make sure there was something for every genre? Was that like part of the tick list? Kind of. They wanted to just get a wide variety of amps, and then originally when we had the Helix, we had this this uh, methodology where it's like it's warts and all. If an amp sounds has some ugly artifacts that do funny things, and that's part of the amp, we're going to put that in the model. And some people might not like that those artifacts but that would actually be what happens in the real amp so it's kind of like we're just trying to make them as accurate as possible since then we've you know added amps like the litigator which is an idealized amp and we've done a few more originals and we you know we might not be as warts and all for the amp models as we used to be right i see and and of course you know it's it's worth it's worth talking about the the amp that is based on your amp that you you built the yeah. the cartographer which is named after your band as well um but but is is kind of has quickly become one of the most popular amps on the on the helix i mean it's you know it's certainly kind of widely revered as being one of the one one of the best digital amps on there that you can play yeah i'm I'm kind of flabbergasted, but it's, I'm also, I think it's awesome. So I, you know, I play in a band called Cartographer. It's very, a very slow moving band, especially since the other two members are still up in the San Francisco area, which is, you know, like a six hour drive from LA. Um, And so I, I got this old trainer amp and it had been modded and it didn't really work anymore. So I was just like, you know, I've built some project amps and stuff. I'm just going to make this head into like my idealized kind of high gain Marshall-y head so i just started making some mods to it and i started using it in my band and then i would do a little more like research and amp studying and i'd say oh that's a neat little neat little circuit trick there i'll try it in my amp so it was just kind of like this this test pardon me test platform that i would use to try out amp experiments and i also used it in my band that was doing like loud rock music so it was very had to be very specialized and i also was doing all the sounds with my egc guitar which is you know very full range yes. and has a certain yes. a very distinctive sound so i'm just like okay this is this amp just kind of works for me and then i had it in the office a few years ago when i was doing another mod i was like adding a resonance control i'm like i wonder if i can do that so i i put that in and some people at work played it I'm like dude you should model that i'm like really i, I really think of this as kind of difficult and strange amp and like no just just model it i think it'll go well so i did and and a bunch of people just picked right up on it it was it was uh it was very gratifying yeah yeah certainly you can find uh you know on forums there are there are thank you posts to you for creating the cartographer (laughs) um but it really is a a fantastic amp And, and you're right in saying it's such a this it's it's kind of a i think of it as being the quintessential helix amp in that it can kind of do a bit of everything you can manipulate it so much uh in comparison to to some of the other stuff that 
you know it's incredibly flexible it kind of almost it, it has more flexibility than a lot of the other things that are limited by you know being designed to to copy more more specific things i appreciate that it obviously is a real amp in real life but it just seems to be very broad it feels to me like i'm getting more more access to what the helix can do with the cartographer yeah like in in another band i play and i uh i use it as both my clean and dirty channel and i just have assigned the uh like the positions of the knobs to change on a on a stomp switch so it's like i hit one button and the gains go up and the master volume goes down and it kind of is like there's a distortion clean to distortion channel on it it's ah that's that's fun. interesting that's that's exactly what uh my guitarist tim was doing with the cartographer and the on the helix on a um on snapshot mode uh yeah. just by by having you know two two individual switches assigned to either you know yes a, a, a sort of clean or drive so just a, a gain boosting volume reducing well i like where tim's going yeah there you go yeah it's very cool now um i'm kind of because because on on this podcast obviously you know our listeners Aren't, even though the Helix is incredibly popular, our listeners aren't all going to have Helix, so it's difficult to yeah. know kind of how in depth to go. Because the the thing about the Helix is, it's not only that that you keep on adding amp models and uh, and pedal models, but you also keep adding ways that you can use it. So I, I mentioned Snapshot. That, of course, wasn't one of the original things that was introduced with Helix. Yeah. Um, initially, so I guess I guess listeners, if you if you're not familiar, if you don't own a Helix, you won't know what I mean by snapshot. Mark, I assume you don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, you've talked about it enough in the past that I've got a vague idea of what it is. Right. So 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 generally speaking, uh, you know, I think when you're using a, an amp modeler or you know a multi effects of this of this sort, you'd either have like a stomp mode where you're controlling individual pedals the way you would if you had them on a board. Or you have like a preset mode where you're flicking, you know, be- between whatever six different complete board and amp configurations that you've built, right? But the yeah. but when uh, when uh, snapshot uh, was introduced by Helix, it was it was like a, a totally different thing because the problem um, the problem that all switches have is if you're using your preset mode and you're switching from one to another, it's also using an awful lot of DSP to to you know to completely change every pedal and amp that that is set up and reload them in in a different order so there's going to be like a, a just a, a tiny little delay when you're when you're switching between them so so line six introduced um snapshot mode which allowed you to build a board and amp rig but then assign all of the all of the pedals to essentially um turn multiples or individuals on and off and also to be able to control any rotaries on any of those pedals or amps via the button so essentially you build one board but then you use the helix as a controller for that board yeah i think like imagine if you'd built like a ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Pedalboard and amp rig in the real world. And then with one button, you could, you could change which effects were on and off in any of the knob and amp knob or pedal knob positions and such. So it's just a way to quickly jump between any one possible sound within one preset and any other possible sound within the same preset. Yeah, yeah, exactly, which which is ridiculous. And and then kind of, I, I don't know if it was around that time, but you, you also introduced an actual synthesizer, like a foot synthesizer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was that was one of those crazy things that just happened. We were in a meeting, and, you know, we have the... Um... We have the little like guitar synth where you can, it's like a mono synth where you can like play guitar and it detects the pitch and puts out the note. But I was like, there's an oscillator in our software tools that's for that. I bet I could just have something. I just wanted to call it the drones and you would just be able to like hit a button because I don't know if you ever listened to like uh, Spaceman 3 or something, but they had one of those Vox guitars with the built-in E drone tuner. And they would just leave it on as a drone throughout the song and then play guitar over it. So I was yes. like, I wanted to do something like that, where you could just hit a button and it would just drone some note or sound. Oh, and it was... So, it, yeah, so carry on. <laughs> oh, so anyway, I just ran down to my office and within a few hours, I'd made up the first version of it. And there's two versions in, one that you pick the note, one that you can just pick a frequency. Um and it's uh, so, yeah. And then I realized with the momentary switches, you can kind of play it like the like Moog Taurus bass pedals. Yeah, well, exactly. This was this was the best thing about this, because when I realized it was it was on the Helix, I was like, oh, I've been thinking about buying one of those Nord pe- pedal organs for years. And I was like, oh, I actually kind of have this here. I can probably build that because, again, like using snapshot mode. Certainly, uh, yeah, I found it way easier using the the note one. Uh, the, you've got the it's a a four note harmony, I think. Yeah, Is I think four three, note harmony. Yeah, three, three? Yeah. three. It's three. Yeah, so you can pick those, build your chord, and assign those to to individual foot switches using snapshot mode. And then, obviously, if you name those foot switches the appropriate chord that it is, then you then have yourself a foot organ, um, which of course provided. Um, because it doesn't take up a world of DSP, so provided you've you've uh, not got too complicated a rig, you can also have you know your your you could send that going out to straight to front of house if you want, and and have your ordinary guitar rig completely unaffected, giving you essentially a bass synth on the floor, which was which was just a ridiculous thing. So that was like an accident build that al- already existed. Yeah, the, the one I'm still trying to get over the term foot organ. Uh, that's pretty <laughs> awesome. And two, but yeah, two. It's it was just one of those things where it's like, oh, we already have it in here, and you know, within 
you know, like maybe a day and a half of work, I had built both of those models and, you know, we tested them out and we're like, okay, this is fun. It was just kind of like, sometimes you get a crazy idea and it's like, oh, you can just make an effect and put it in there. And it, it, it works out right. The multi-pass, yeah. the multi-pass delay was like that, where I just was sitting in a meeting and just thinking about a delay. I'm like, oh, what happens if we could have the repeats filtered by frequency? Take a multi-tap delay and then filter each of the, the, so the repeats come back, but only in a certain frequency band. And then so I ran down to my office after the meeting. And by the end of the day, I had the first version of it built to play to people. And just it's, it's really awesome just to be able to do that on a whim. Yeah, that that's amazing, and that seems to be the that seems to be the thing about Helix that it just it's so free that you seem to because you've got creative minds like yourself there because the the basis of Helix is so limitless. You seem to keep be a, being able to come up with interesting things, and that 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 comes right down to sort of the application of Helix. Um, you know, I, I think I, I was watching uh, something you were on uh, like a, a, a few months ago, and. Uh, you were dis- you were assigning the looper through the expression pedal, so you could build a loop, but then you could um, you could bring it in and out via the volume pedal, essentially, um, whilst retaining your guitar signal over the top. Yeah, right? I think I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I do is like if I play like you know solo ambient, I'm sensitive looper guitar. Um, I'll, you know, I have a, I have the looper going and I assign one of the expression pedals to be the volume of, of the looper. And then I have another one that might be the, uh, like feedback of the delay, but I can actually start recording and do, do looping stuff, but just keep the volume down and unknowing to people who are listening if, if, you know, rarely there are, but, um, <laughs> Usually, you know, I'm I'm actually starting to loop stuff, and then I'll fade it up with the with the uh, expression pedal, and there'll be a loop there. I'll have no idea what it sounds like because it's just kind of been going on behind the scenes. Right. But if you play, oh, amazing. In, you know, in, yeah. But there's, I think. Yeah. It, oh, oh, sorry, I was going to say I think it speaks to uh, what what you're doing, but also just thinking about how we've moved on from something like you know the the HD pods, where not only are you bringing in new sounds but the the ability via you know uh, patching the the units to bring in new features i think that's the greatest strength with helix but also more newer modeling in general um and it seems that you you're kind of excited about that you know the for example you know when you came to the company with the the 500 hds um you wouldn't necessarily necessarily have been able to do that because people wouldn't have been connecting them up in the same way that they are with something like the Helix. When I when I started working here, I had an M9 on my pedal board, mm. and I was doing very specific. Who didn't? Who didn't? <laughs> well, I was doing very specific things with the delay and the looper, and it was almost like a like an artifact. Like there's a thing with the with the non modeled delays, just like the regular digital delays. If you go to 100, percent it just starts cycling like sound on sound but it doesn't go out of control and if you have the trails on on the delay you can turn it off and kind of use it as a second looper so i was doing all this crazy stuff with the m9 so when i started working at line six i came in and a lot of people like oh we never expected anyone to do that with the m9 like so i had to make sure that all of those accidents made it into the helix because i wanted to be able to use it in the same way so and I mean, it's not just me. There's, you know, people who write the firmware. There's uh, Eric Klein, who is like kind of the whole 
architectural mind behind putting the helix together and the functionality and stuff and you know it's not just i just kind of get to make the sounds and develop effects but there's really a whole lot of people behind the scenes who are maybe not so uh out there on the forums and the internet is me who are doing just as cool stuff in terms of like new features and thinking about what you're going to bring in next, whether it be you know a new new amp model or whether it's a whole new feature like snapshot snapshot or you know the synth stuff, how much do you l- kind of <clears throat> look at the community and and how much do you take that on board and say you know people are kind of crying out for this feature, this needs to be bumped up in the list of things that we can do, um, and, or how much of it is you know we've kind of got this roadmap, we think these things would be great and let's push it out there and see what the community can do with the stuff that we've got in mind. I'd say it's probably like the, the product owner is probably like maybe 80% listening to what people want. And then the last 20% is trying to come up with something that's going to uh, like be something that no one has ever done before, or at least is an implementation that can maybe make something really easy that would otherwise be very difficult I guess the the uh, the advantage you've got from that perspective is you know what tools are available to you, um, whereas the community doesn't necessarily know that. They might want something that is just not going to be possible, uh, and vice versa. You might know that you've got something stashed away that you think is going to bring a, a great feature to the platform. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, people's like, oh, there's a microphone input on there. Um, and, you know, there's some other stuff. You should be able to make a vocoder really easily. And I'm like, eh, the way it works behind the scenes, it's not so easy, but we're yeah. still trying to figure out ways to do that. We'd love to be able to do that, but it's, it's you know, but there are other things where, like, you know, doing a crazy delay where I filter, like, six multiple tapped repeats was actually really easy to do with the tools that I don't think anyone is asking for that, but I just went ahead and did it because <laughs> I could. No, yeah, I, I definitely was asking for that. that that's I, Thank you very much. That's uh... <laughs> So, so actually, I, I guess talking about that, um, you know, what are your what are your favorite things that you've brought uh, to the Helix, you know, amp models and effects wise? I mean, to me, it's it's really silly because uh, I get to model my own gear um, that I built. So <laughs> yeah. it's really awesome that, like I said, the cartographer came in. I modeled my own amp. Um, I have a Fender Pro Reverb from the '60s that I really love. That I'd love to get modeled sometime. Um, the Adriatic Delay, which was actually not named by me, but it was based on my my Boss DM2 that I love, but I wish that had a few more features, so I added modulation to it. Um, I added, uh, you know, uh, the ability to actually put in more bucket br- virtual bucket brigade ships and get a longer delay time, but still have the tone stay the same. That's a fantastic um, thing to get to do. I don't think about that, but you, you, I guess you get to make the mods that everyone wishes they have, because you're absolutely right. You know, the, the DM2, a fantastic, one of the best sounding analog delays. And the Adriatic is 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 a, is a fantastic delay on the Helix. But yeah, absolutely. Of course I want that from my DM2. I would love to be able to control modulation and I would love to be able to get those longer delay times as well. So like, what a great addition. Yeah, I was just, I mean, I've I've used and loved the DM2 since like the late 90s. So it was nice to be able to take it and get, you know, get the same sound and then add all the features I would want to put in. Like I did the Space Echo, the what's Cosmos Echo. Cosmo, um, yeah. I did that model and that was uh, like a month and a half long deep dive into Space Echo circuits. But it, I really, I really love it. I always was a fan. I don't know how I'd actually use it in my own band because I just tend to get like clouds of mushy sound with it but <laughs> but it's I, I i absolutely love doing that model it was super fun 
Yeah. Is there um is there anything that you uh and actually across the history of the company is there anything that you haven't been able to get your hands on uh in the kind of line six vault as it were to be able to model it? Well, I mean, of course, everyone wants a real Dumble, and um, we sure. haven't been able to borrow one. We had a, we had a line on one, and then the person realized I was going to have to take the amplifier chassis out of the amp to do the modeling, and then <laughs> nice. they were like, "Nope, we don't. I don't even want you to do that." I'm like, "But a repair person would have to do that," and like, "Like, nope, don't want to do that." So right. that didn't work out. Um, and I feel like I don't know. I think if we look hard enough. Uh, we can either buy or, or borrow rare gear. So um, we've been pretty lucky to be able to find things. Yeah, I can't think, I can't, nothing stands out to me as like not available. The, uh, the, the only pedal that I kind of want out of a modeler, uh, just because they're so hard to get hold of and, and they've become very expensive now, is the uh, Digitech XP300 Space Station. Oh, yeah, that's great. I love those. The it's yellow one. Crazy pedal that. There's not really many uses for, but it kind of feels like something that would get picked up in a modeler and suddenly everyone would be using those sounds. Wait, I don't know what pedal you're talking about. Which one was the space station? Uh, it's hard to describe what it even does. Go and look at a YouTube video, you'll see. <laughs> oh, okay. Digitech okay. came out with four pedals that were kind of like a, a whammy, uh, something. One was a reverb and one was called the space station. It was like com- com- either combinations of delay, pitch, and reverb or like ring modulators. It was like super pretty or super ugly. Yeah. It was a crazy yeah, yeah. pedal. All over the place. Uh, the other one was a modulation pedal. Oh yeah, I think, that's was right. The other one. Um, and there are people who like will burn the ROM chips where you can send them one, and they'll burn a ROM chip that has all four pedals on it, so you can just do a switch and switch between them. <laughs> yeah, they all Crazy. they all run on the same hardware. So there's like a yeah. bootleg version called the XP1000, I think, which is uh, yeah, kind of the bootleg that combines all of the pedals, which is a neat thing. But yeah, it'd be cool to be able to you know put that into the mix with some some other modeling stuff. Oh, yeah, that's what. I want. That's definitely what I want. That sounds like exactly what I want. Um, then <laughs> uh, uh, I also wanted to talk about your guitars because sure. you, you you play an electrical guitar company um, guitar. Uh, yeah, you know, which is wonderful. Like so, so for for listeners who might not have come across the brand, you should have listeners. I've definitely spoken about them, but but why don't you tell us about your wonderful guitar? Well, um, Electrical Guitar Company is a company run by this guy named Kevin Burkett, and it was was out of Florida. Now it's down in Alabama, I think. But he kind of was influenced and inspired by Travis Bean guitars and Valeno guitars, which were two 70s um, aluminum-necked guitar companies. Um, and so he started like building these guitars that have aluminum necks, uh, some of them have aluminum bodies, some of them have wood bodies, but the thing that's awesome is that the neck goes all the way from the headstock to where the bridge mounts. And yeah. then the pickups, so the bridge, the pickups, and the tuning pegs are all on the same like solid piece of aluminum that was CNC machined. And then the they're, body kind they're of mounted into the that. they're mounted into the rear pan, aren't they? So the whole rear pan of the guitar is all one, like with the, well, the yeah, second some of the series Travis of beans. Yeah, yeah. That that was the like second that. series of Travis Beans where it was yes. all the pickups were all mounted into that rear pan. I thought all the electrical guitar companies were of the same were in the same thing, so it was all one body. Is that the case with yours? Well, if you have a mine has a wooden body, so there's just like if you can take the body off and then it looks like some crazy Devo guitar or something where it's just like a, <laughs> right. a two by four. Um and then the aluminum guitars uh that 
that Kevin makes for EGC are kind of like clamshells where there's a front and a back and then the neck goes through and bolts the neck bolts into the back. But then there are the certain Travis beans that were the whole pan back and neck are the same piece of aluminum. They're all very different. And I tell people it's kind of like a subtractive synthesis where it's you get the super full frequency because since the bridge and the, the tuning pegs are on the same piece of aluminum, nothing is resonating to take the energy away from the strings. So you get this this very wide frequency response. And if you want the, to make the guitar sound a certain way, you kind of have to remove what you don't want rather than add what you do want. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's that's interesting. And is that is that your your only uh, al- al- aluminum uh, necked guitar? Have you have you always bought Travis Beans and 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 no no no? I always companies? I always wanted an aluminum neck guitar, but I was kind of a fan of like you know the band Shellac and then other you know Chicago noisy rock bands, and I kind of felt if I got one, like it would be too obvious, like I. <laughs> You know, my first guitar is a Japanese Telecaster, so I've had a, a a soft spot and love for Telecaster throughout the years. But finally, I just I gave in, and I got to know Kevin, and we're pretty good friends now. Um, and so I got this guitar. I actually got a matching bass to go with it. Uh, so I have a matching guitar and bass set that oh, the EGC guitar. Really? Oh, yes. That's that's very cool indeed. I'll post a photo to the Guitar Nerds group. Oh, I think they would yes. like that. Yes, yeah, please do, please do. I keep, but, I'm still, I'm still teetering on the edge of of getting a, an aluminium necked uh, guitar. I, I, I need to, I need to commit to it. It's just a, they're, they're, um, they're always quite, um, they're always such an expensive kind of instrument. Um, it's such a premium thing to move into for something that if if you've not played an aluminium necked guitar before, you know, it's it's very different to not be able to do it at an accessible price point before you go sort of whole hog. I guess. Yeah, I was lucky enough to be able to play a few. Like when my band was on tour, we uh, stayed with a friend in Chicago who had a, a couple of them. So I played. I'm like, okay, I think I just have to get one. And you know, if I if the worst case scenario came and I hated it, I could probably sell it for close to what I paid for it. So it wasn't actually too much of a risk. That's the thing; they don't really depreciate yeah. in uh, in value. Well, yes, I mean, I could I could definitely hear the the Steve Albini, well, the shellac influence in uh, in in cartographer. Um, but uh, you know, of of course, Shellac are one of the best bands in the world, so that's a fantastic thing to be influenced by. Oh yeah, no, they're uh, they're sweethearts, and uh, they're uh, a very unique take on performing and making music. I I absolutely love and adore those guys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, um, I, I I think we're we're pretty much coming up to to time on the. On this episode, Mark, I hope I haven't I haven't left out any things that you wanted to. Include. No, no, I think we covered everything. Yeah, like I said, just kind of my my thing. Uh, whenever I speak to anyone, uh, Line Six is like, I just want to see the vault. I want to see all the amps and all the pedals and stuff that are being used for the uh, being used for the modeling and being used as a reference. I've always been super interested that in that since the first amps were available. So, um, <laughs> yeah, sometime let, let's get into the vault. Let's have a have a look around. That's what I want to do. Yeah. All right. Well, you know. Yeah. Los Angeles is, you come here for work, so, you know, swing on by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll see what we can do. Yeah, we definitely should. <laughs> well, um, thank you so much for coming on, uh, coming on to the Friday Specials, Ben. It's been it's been really great to talk to you, uh, you know, especially about the Helix stuff. And, and, and for our listeners, I hope this has been, it was, it was tricky because I didn't want to go into too much depth 
um, about the Helix. I didn't want to go into the sort of nitty gritty for people who don't own a own a Helix, but but we talked knows. about the foot synth. That's yeah, in depth okay, enough, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I think. I, I mean, if foot there was organ. Foot the foot organ, organ. Yeah, sorry. That's, yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> it, I tell you what, if in the next update it, it is not renamed the foot organ, I will be very disappointed. But um, I think it, maybe uh, maybe I'll do one for Joe called the Huggable Drive. Yes. <laughs> I'm never ever gonna live that down. That was amazing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's so obvious now, retrospectively. Damn I'm just it. gonna start. I'm gonna start Ron Burgundying all of the emails now, and just like mix up some words, and you will have to read them out. Oh, it's. I didn't realize that. It's a real Ron Burgundy moment. Oh. That's great. Well, thank you very oh, much okay. for having me. I, I I love the show, and I'm happy to come on whenever you need me. So, thank you so much, Ben. Um, but yeah, you you can uh, you you can of course. Uh, catch more Guitar Nerds over on our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Guitar Nerds. Or you can join us on any of the major social platforms with at Guitar Nerds. And we'll be back next week with our regular episode on Wednesday and another Friday special on Friday. Oh, we'll catch you next week for more of this Guitar Nerdery. Farewell. Bye-bye. Cheers, gang. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.